Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Seriously, man, you don't really think we're going to see any Canutes and 41 Rockies jerseys here at Coors Field, do you? I mean, no offense, I know you're a local and all, but that was a long time ago. You never know. I've seen some old guy jerseys around here, haven't you? In fact, I actually heard from a really good source. You mean you saw it on Twitter. Whatever. I heard that Chad Cool's wearing 41 now for the Rockies because he grew up a Milwaukee Brewers fan and he watched me wearing number 41 back in the day. That, you know, that's pretty cool, right? I see what you did there, Mark. Yeah, okay, wait. Look, he's right over there. Let's just go ask him. Well, you know, we probably shouldn't bother him. What do you mean? We're media. That's our job. Follow me. Uh, okay, but, but let me ask him. Hey, Chad, I'm Mark Knutson. This is Manny Randall. We do a podcast called the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. He came up with the name. Congrats on your great start to the season. Are you liking it here? He's got a question for you, Chad. Okay, I heard somewhere that you're wearing number 41 here as a Rocky because, you know, I wore it a while back. A long okay, while back. Okay, whatever. I wore 41 in Milwaukee, as I'm sure you know, since I heard you grew up a Brewers fan and all. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, grew up in Delaware. Um, you know, kind of watched the Phillies kind of growing up, but uh, never really heard of you. So when they gave me 41, I don't think it really had some uh, significance behind it. Sorry. Yeah, what's what show am I on? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. We're looking backward and forward on this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. What was it like on the field during that very first season of Rockies baseball back in 1993? How much have things changed since then? And what about the solid start for this year's team? Can it continue? We talk with original Rockies shortstop Freddie Benavides, now the bench coach for the Cincinnati Reds, and the voice of the Rockies, Jack Corrigan, about turning a good April into a good season. All that is coming up next. Stay with us. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Time to welcome back an old friend back to Denver, uh, former teammate, friend, Freddie Benavides, an original Colorado Rocky, back in uh, 1993. Can you believe we're both here, still around? Man, I can't believe it. It's been, well, it's gonna, it's gonna, next year will be, what, 30, 30 years? 30 anniversary, yeah. yeah. It's, it's I was just talking to Jack Ekin about it like, uh, yesterday. And it's, 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 been, it's amazing, right? This yeah. place still, it still brings a lot of good memories. Well, you and I were at mile high with that before mm-hmm. this place was built, but now this is the third oldest field in the National League. <laughs> It's incredible. It really is. It really is, and it still looks. It's still beautiful. This course field. So, uh, but it's it's good to be back. It's, I always love coming here to visit. So, you were an original member of the Rockies in 1993, um, but you've been a Cincinnati Red for a long time uh, as a coach. And I think it says something about you that you've been here through a lot of different managers. Yes. You've been with the organization for a long time, and they, they they've got to see something special in the guy to keep him around through a bunch of different managerial changes. Well, I hope so. You know, here at the big leagues, I've played with. I've had three different managers now. Uh, yeah. um, you know, and you guys, the organization, I've had what four or five different, six yeah. different GMs when I was right. in the minor leagues. So, uh, I just keep, you know, the whole thing is you got to keep working hard, right? Yeah. Just keep working, working, working hard, and, and good things will happen. Now you're the bench coach. Some big people say the bench coach is the next step to being a, a manager. 
And last time I talked to you about that, that really didn't appeal to you too much. Have you changed your mind? No, I, I think it always has. It's just, yeah. it's just, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. I think if it all plays out, you know, somewhere, hopefully, I get lucky and get the right opportunity with it, whether you know, whether it's another organization or whatever it may be. But you know, right now, I'm doing what I'm doing, uh, loving and learning from David. You know, learn from all my managers and also when I played, right? Yeah. You know, learn from the managers that you played for. So, take a little bit of everybody from everybody and, and, and try to mold your. Your own, Obviously, your own you're doing place. something right. You turned out a lot of pretty good players. Uh, and Rocky starting shortstops, one of your guys, right? Iglesias is a guy you worked oh, with for a while. Yeah, I worked with him. We loved him here. I mean, in 2019, he played really well for us. Um, I know he was a free agent, and, and you know he went elsewhere. But uh, great kid, great kid, great defender. You know, he's going to catch everything. He's a showman. Yeah. You know, he's a showman. <laughs> Uh, but he loves to play, you, man. He plays every day. Do you like that showman thing? Because that wasn't your style. That wasn't our style when we played back then. But now it's everybody's style. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like it. I mean, you know, sometimes you, you, the way I look at it, you know, we got guys in the minor leagues when we come through the system or here, and and, and some guys have a little bit of showboat in them and or whatever it may be. But you, you can't take away what they, who they are, right? Their yeah. style. Because you take it away from them, you might take away their aggressiveness. Right. You might take away who they are. That's what makes them play well, and that's that's who. You know that's what mm-hmm. that's who the player is, and sometimes you try to change them and you try to get them more fundamentally sound, and it just doesn't work for them. Could you see yourself doing a bat flip? <laughs> no chance, <laughs> no chance. It's that this is what that's really changed a lot. Yeah. The, yeah, the game has changed when it comes that. Could, but you still got a lot of old school. There's still some old school pitchers there that don't like it, and uh, there's still some. You can understand there, why. Yeah, there's still some stuff you know where it's like you don't know who who you know what you're dealing with sometimes yeah. on the mound. Games change a lot, as we've talked about. Um, a lot of data stuff. I think that's part of coaching now is analyzing data and all that. You had to learn that on the fly, right? Of course. I mean, I mean, this is something that's really changed uh, the game. I mean, I think now it's still it's still like uh, you mesh both of them together, right? A little bit of the numbers and and it, there's always been data in the game, but uh, now it goes to a, di- a different level at times. But we have guys in here that that help us with that. Uh, that know the numbers and know how to read and, and try to explain to us what it is and. In turn, we uh, give it to the players. Do you find yourself uh, liking that? Do you like the idea of more data? Do you like the idea of being able to shift your infielders, for instance, based on the data you receive? Well, uh, I think as an infielder, we've always had spray charts, right? And the spray charts always tell you a lot. And depending on the guy on the mound, how he's pitching that day, what he's trying to do to the hitter, um, you know, you're, back when you know when I played. I mean, sometimes you're out there and, you're, and you know the sign that's coming as a middle infielder, right? You should know. And and there's times you just know your pitcher's just not hitting his spots and not 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 going. So you're trying to anticipate where the ball's going to be hit. So I think that really hasn't changed. I just think teams are just more aggressive now and um, now with more of the offense, right? So you have some middle infielders that are more offensive type yes. guys and the defensive type guys that when we, our era that we yep. played where there was defense first. Um, so there is more shifting because of that, I would have meant. Are you uh, glad they're going to ban the shift? I am. Are you really? I am. I think I am. I mean, it just takes a lot. Of, you got guys that, especially for the left-handers, man, they hit some rock. I've seen Joey throughout the career, throughout his last X amount of years, and hit some rocket line drives through there, and there, there's the guy right they're there. You know, there. they're just standing right there. And not only him, I think across the board. I think I think now I think we'll get back to a little bit of that, 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 that range, right, that yeah. we need back for the middle infielders, especially – I still think they're going to be really shifted over. They just can't cross over. So uh, you'll see a little bit of range. You know, teams going back to looking for that second base when they have some range and shortstops. Now, I've always thought that you didn't necessarily need to ban the shift. I'm not against banning the right. shift. You need to. If hitters would adjust, like Tony Gwynn, the guy we both played yeah. against, he would have hit 600 against the shift because he knew how to hit the ball the other way. Do hitters not learn that anymore? 
Well, I think they do. I just I think it's difficult for them. I mean, the guys. It's like back then there was a, a very few guys that threw ninety seven to a hundred. I mean, you can count maybe yeah. ten guys. Yeah. Now every guy that comes out of the bullpen, every even starters now. Yeah. I mean, we got a kid that throws uh-huh. pretty much a hundred. Uh-huh. You know, and and it's it's not as easy as people think. But there's guys that are special. Tony was special, right? right. There's there's a lot of special hitters that like a wand in, in their hand a magic wand they just know how to handle the bat and they know what they see the defense and they can hit it to them but the game has changed now where it's a little bit more power so guys don't want to change who they are because they can still drive balls out of the ballpark i've seen a couple guys more guys maybe this year at the beginning of the year than in recent years looking to bunt the ball the other way and trying to just get on base the old money ball philosophy of just getting on base it is i mean it's important i think you look now the the, the if you look this first month, really, the ball's not traveling mm-hmm. as far as it has been, right? Runs are way down this month. Way down, and I think it's it's. I think teams are going. You see teams uh, hitting behind the runner a little bit and, and driving the ball, line drive more, line drive approach the other ways, finding ways to get on base because it's just not instant offense like it was um, last couple of years. You know, when the ball just seems you, you know flying out. You like that, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I kind of like the. I kind of like that. It's you yeah. know at times it's hurt us yeah. a little bit at home this year. We hit some balls like oh, or on the road we're like. That's gone, and it's like track, you know. So, um, especially in your ballpark. Yeah, your but it, but it's 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 it's. I mean, you still got to hit the ball right to get right. it out of the ballpark. You still got to hit it solid. We saw that here, you know, a couple a couple guys uh, already. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, I like that type of ball, you know, where you got to you got to you know manufacture some runs here and there, and, and depending on what kind of the philosophy of your team, what you have, right? If yeah. you have some speed or you have some power, see, that's how you're going to play it. Last year, you guys were right there. Four games over 500. You had a chance to be in the postseason. Didn't have a very good finish to the year, but still plus 500 team. That this year, that gets you into the playoffs, right? right, right. But you're off to a terrible start with this team because it's a much different baseball team now. And that, yeah. to me, is kind of signs of times with baseball. That you know you're going to go through rebuilding. People call it tanking. I don't know if you guys call it that, but you're, you're awful young this year. It's almost like a rebuild when you're really on the cusp last year. We're young. Yeah, we are young. Very I mean, they got rid of you know some guys that that were very very good ballplayers for us right and you know from the market small market that we're in and um it is what it is you know but but we have some young talent and it's exciting because the kids are young and and they're ready some of these kids are ready and if not they're going to graduate here they're going to learn how to play at the major league level and when it's all said and done our farm system is is pretty good right now so um it's it's where we're at I know we struggled out of we've had some injuries but it's 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 not an excuse the guys got to still play they're professional ball players and I, we'll turn this around when you look around the league several teams are in the same boat right several teams right. have gone, gone very young and some teams are loading up at the top uh, is that a bad thing for baseball when teams are, like the Dodgers and not to, not to pick on the Dodgers because they're not out there buying the prospects but they are loading up with a Freddie Freeman and that kind of thing is that bad for the game I don't know I mean it's it, it I, I I mean me because I'm in Cincinnati right? I've been here forever and I, I would like it to be a little bit more you know, it's tough when you're competing with a $250 million payroll and you're at 100 or at 80 or 70. But there's some teams that have had a lot of success. They figured it out, right? Yeah. Tampa has figured it out. There's, you know, but they've, they've done it for a while now, right? Because they, they have some type of system in place. And, and it's a copycat league, I think. Yeah. Everybody's trying to do some of that stuff. And, um, hey, I, you still got to play the game no matter who's on the mound or who's pitching or what kind of stars they have. And, and it, you know, it does make it difficult, yeah. right? Those teams are supposed to win, and, and yeah. that's how that's how they buy their teams. You haven't been around the league, obviously, just the first month of the season, but who is impre- what young players up there have you impressed, been impressed by? Maybe somebody that people haven't heard of. 
Oh, I haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, it's really like you said. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't played a whole lot of teams. Um, I, I, I would like. We're going to see the kid Franco. I would like to see him, the kid from Tampa, see what he's all about, you know, and see his game. Uh, San Diego has a young kid. I think he's going to be a very talented kid, a little shortstop, Abrams. I think he's going to have some a, a good future, you know. Uh, he's still learning. He's going to learn, uh, but you know, he he looked fairly impressive. Talk about the Colorado Rockies. You've only seen two games so far. Um, they're in a rebuild situation, whether they acknowledge that or not. They pretty much mm-hmm. are, but they're doing okay so far. They're hanging, hanging around, hanging in there. Uh, what do you see about this franchise? Well, I, I, I mean, still, it's a good core. Still, they still have some pretty good major league players, right? You still got Blackman, the McMahon kids played. You know, they've filled in the spot with Jose, and, and uh, they still got some. They've had some high picks, right, that are here now. Yep. And I know they signed uh, Bryant, who's down now, who's going to help them tremendously. Um, the pitches test pretty good. I mean, we're not, we didn't get to see. I think their best one is Marquez. You know, I think he's their best guy. But the kid that we saw the first day, he's always pitched well against us. I've always loved him. You know, and how he sinks the ball and he moves the ball around the thing. So, I mean, they got a good manager on the other side, and I think they're gonna they're gonna you know they're they're going in the right direction. Do you like the expanded playoff idea? I do. I think it's exciting, man. You get more teams in, and it's like the trade deadline is gonna get exciting and. Yeah. Teams are going to hold on to players a little bit longer. Yes. You don't know, and, and sometimes you might. Everybody's in it. You might hold them. You might hold them too long, and it hurts your franchise. Yeah. And it's 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 a tough, it's a tough call on some of the general managers, right? Because you got to be able yep. to. Are you going to make a trade here when you're four games out? And normally, you probably would not have right. done and right. and save a guy or whatever it may be. So it's it's going to be interesting. Let's talk a little bit about about your time here with the Rockies, 1993. Uh, what, what when you think back, like you said, almost 30 years ago, what's your first fondest memory? What do you remember? You know, opening day here. I mean, of course, opening day, the first, New the York, first New York, right? Opening day and, and the starting lineup, Dwight Gooden pitching, and and it's the first game in or, in the history, you know. And, and you were at shortstop. I was at shortstop, so it's tough because you still get calls, you know, like, hey, the starting nine, they want to get autographs. People call, and yep. they're trying to get the starting nine. It's the first ever in yep. the franchise history. Yep. So, but coming back here and seeing how the fans just embraced us, right? You know, yep. it's a sports town. They love their Denver sports. Um, and just coming back, what is 80? I can't remember, 82, yeah, whatever yeah, it was, 80,000 yeah, plus. Record, yeah. All-time record. I mean, it was loud. And then EY hitting that bomb, you know. So that's that's probably my fondest memories, you know, just every day playing in front of this crowd. got to remind EY when you see him that he hit two that year. First day and the last day, remember? First day and then the last day. We just day. played him. I'll see him again. We, we, we always we always talk, and I, yeah. I got to meet his boy, Yeah. Uh, his, his youngest. You know, he was in town getting some ground balls there. It was yeah. good to see his youngest. I got to meet him. And I, you remember, Groove wasn't very happy about that home run. You, you look at pictures of it now, you see E.Y. saluting the crowd, and Groove in the background with that yeah, scowl on his yeah, face. He's he, old school. He didn't want home, E.Y. hitting home yeah, run. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't like that. Home. But you know what? It was, it, was a, it was a memorable moment. It was moment. a magical moment. It was a great year. And um, be, obviously, we'll all remember it very fondly because of what happened in the stands especially. But then, you know, a couple years later, a playoff team. Yeah, they did. I mean, a couple years later, I was, I was traded away to Montreal. Uh, but they had a really good run, you know, the, what, the Blake Street Bombers, they had yep. every guy that can really bang, and yep. they had a good club, you know, and it was it was good to see them. I, follow, I still follow them. It's, it's weird. Played one, you know, one season, and I still feel like it, it's well, special, yeah, right? Because yeah, exactly. it feel like Absolutely. your home. Yep. You know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati's my home, right? It's, it's where I've been. I was drafted, played. But getting to play here, even though I played with other organizations in the big leagues, it still feels like this is, like, the next – the next place. Right? I ask you about one player before I let you go because I, I need people to understand what I've been trying to say. Rockies have a young kid. He's in double A now. Ezekiel Tovar, mm-hmm. shortstop. 
my first recollection of you, when I saw him in spring training, my first thought was, this is Roberto Mejia. You remember? Uh, Roberto, Roberto, yes. Remember? Highly touted, had a big spring. He's really struggled when he got to the major leagues. Yeah. You're in this position now. You don't rush kids like that. You let them develop. You develop. I mean, of course you do. I mean, that that's the plan. And there's times where you don't have the luxury to let them develop, right? Because right? of the situation up here, injuries or what it, what, what it may be, they're going to try to rush them. But a, a super talented kid like, you know, whatever, Joe I've Mario. never seen him play. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's like you got to let them develop. You got to let them play. I mean, there's still ups and downs of, of a long season, and and I think that's where they learn. You know, they got to. I mean, if he's, a, if he's a guy like that, they got to throw him out there every day. No days off. You right. know, he's got to struggle at times. He's got to figure out what it what it takes to to snap out of a, of a slump or whatever it may be. But you know, when the kid's ready, he'll let you know. I mean, a talented kid always can get away with stuff up here just because you know they're super talented, right? But just keep moving till the league stops you. Freddie, it's always great to see you. Appreciate you, your time as always. Um, we got to do this more often. It's been four years since we've done this, since we haven't, had, haven't been able to do stuff like this. But it's great to see you again. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. coming by. All right. Thanks. Thank you. There you go. Time to fast forward. Jack Corrigan is in his 21st season behind the mic for KOA's broadcast of the Colorado Rockies. He's seen a lot, and he shared his insights with me and Manny in the Coors Field lunchroom. Back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast with the voice of the Colorado Rockies, Jack Corrigan. Jack, um... First of all, I'm sure you're glad to be back in a normal setting and not trying to call games on a monitor. Yeah, there's no question about it, Mark. I mean, the the 2020 and 21 seasons were difficult to do when the team was away. I mean, you get the – we'd have a road game in Los Angeles and we'd be in a darkened Coors Field with a security guard and us, and that'd be about it. So. To your credit, though, you guys pulled it off. You really did. You know, we we appreciated all of that, but at the same time, it was like it it isn't what it should be, and we were thrilled um, that that we've gotten back out on the road. Because you know, as a as a former player yourself, Mark, so much of our job is just immersing yourself in the clubhouse, in the dugout, behind the batting cage, on the airplane, in the hotel, on the road, all those things. Because I've always felt, you know, baseball is a little bit of a closed society. Mm -hmm. And you have to gain admittance by regularity, you know. And when you see people around, then all of a sudden they start to tell you the little nuances that make for a good story. Yeah, Jack, segueing... Good story into the Rockies. I mean, it was a good story to start out, especially on the road. Uh, I think they won their 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 fourth road game at the end of May last year, and they they they're already, they already they were four and two, and then of course they hit that speed bump in Philadelphia. Um, what it's kind of it's kind of hard to 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 um, gauge what's where this team is right now. It's so early, obviously, but also. Um, where do you see this club uh, with respect to what expectations were and what we've seen so far in the uh, early going? Well, one of the things, Manny, just to focus in on the road side of it, uh, the lockout was a benefit for the Rockies in that those four games in L.A. and the two games in San Diego to start the season could have put them in a hole, and they end up taken two or three from the Dodgers in that home opening weekend and then play well in Texas. So you you gain a little road momentum, you gain a little confidence. Now, losing those games early on will 
be an impact yeah. later on, yeah. you know, they, especially they, they paid the, the piper the last week of the season. Yeah, those final six games with the Dodgers, no question. But I think with each year, I, I mean, it's always going to be an issue from elevation to sea level. That's that's never going to change. But I think they've done incrementally a, a better job every year of getting people to understand what you have to do and and most especially uh, the construction of the roster this year we haven't seen much of it yet because Chris has been hurt Bryant and not gotten off to a great start but you you have a roster that Bill Schmidt has constructed that is going to be more about hey we, we get a guy on and maybe get a big fly in those games especially the division games uh, and with decent starting pitching, you stay in a game. To to go into Dodger Stadium and have three or more innings of multiple hits to score runs, that's that's a challenge, not only because of their pitching, but the elevation change. So I think this roster has a better chance of, of hanging in in road games this year to overcome some of that altitude problem. I think... <clears throat> It's it's kind of nice, at least from my perspective, that you can you've got a team that calls Coors Field home that has a little bit more power in the lineup, you know, because uh, compared with the past couple of seasons. So, um, you know, obviously Schmidt, Mill Schmidt has got you know they signed Chris Bryant, they bring in Grichik. I, I want to ask you about Randall Grichik in particular because he's off to a great start, um, and you know <clears throat> Dante Bichette who needs no introduction around here. He used to, he was a coach for for uh, Randall, a hitting coach in uh, Toronto. And uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that in 2020, when uh, Bichette started working with him, his strikeout rate dropped by 5% and stayed there last year. And contact has become a much more important thing for him. Um, What have you seen that you think has been the key for Randall Gritchick so far? Well, you know, I go back to Detroit, not to put Randall in in that level, but when you look at at a Hall of Famer first ballot like Miggy Cabrera, and you look at his numbers and see that two-thirds of his hits are center field to right field, yet he still has more than 500 home runs. He understand or understood fairly early in his career, I'm going to go middle other way unless the pitcher makes a mistake in and then I'll turn on it. And I have been impressed here in the early going if you broke down Gritchick's hits, I guarantee more than half to two-thirds have been middle to the opposite way and I think he's grasped that idea that it's going to be beneficial for him, particularly here at home with the bigger spaces in the outfield. Um, I think very quietly that's been a wonderful addition to the ball club. You think this is a trend around baseball? Are, are strikeouts starting to be bad again? Because for a while there, announce an out, it doesn't matter. But now it seems like guys are starting to understand the value of contact. Understanding the value of contact, Mark, and also the idea whether it's right or wrong, there's no question they're manipulating the baseball in terms of its construction and, and, and the consistency of, of the balls vary. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, the uppercut launch angle swing um, isn't quite as important. And uh, I, for one, you know, being an old guy, I, I, I like seeing the game the way it was, where power hitters have power. And everybody else's job is to get on base with the occasional pop. And I, I, I'm happy to 
see that we might be moving away from six guys on a team having 20-plus homers to the guys who deserve it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Now, Manny doesn't like the word bunt. He hates that word. It's a dirty word in his vocabulary. But most of the time. When Juan Soto does it, yeah, it's Juan definitely. Juan Soto tried it the other day, and I was, I was incensed at home when I was watching. <laughs> but it's old school baseball, and it's been productive for a number of years, and I just, for one, don't understand why it's not emphasized, especially for a team like the Rockies, that with the altitude changes on the road, Don Baylor did a lot of hit and runs back in the day. Don Baylor did some bunting, I mean, he, and they had hugely productive offenses. Yeah, I, I think what, what we are hopefully seeing, Mark, is, is the. I don't want to say evolution, maybe the retrolution of, of playing the, the, the game using all of the elements. Um, I, I think you can sit there and look at times, you know, why is a three or four hole hitter bunning in the fourth inning? But it, from a strategic point of view, I, I think it still should be a part of your offense. It still sh- the stolen base still should be a part of your offense. When you're playing games where you may see four or five pitchers in a nine-inning ball game who throw progressively harder as the game goes on, you have to have all the elements of offensive strategy. I, I just don't think you can wait for the, the Earl Weaver three-run homer. Yeah. That's one of the first things Mark ever said to me. He said, he said you would have loved Earl Weaver, man. Um, uh, I think that the, this this club. I mean, they're headed about out on the road for a few games here, Arizona and San Francisco coming up. Obviously, they'd like to perform better. We talked a little bit about the road, uh, the road side of things. Um, this is a team that has begun, I guess, as well as you could expect. If you if you if you if you look at it, if you said on on uh, May fifth, this is where they'll be, thir- uh, fourteen and ten, that you would take that. Um, is this team with the, the new wild card format, or the, the extra wild card, is this team a postseason team? Are we going to see the Rockies playing in October this year? Well, one of the potential advantages for a team like the Rockies, okay, so you have six make the postseason. You can look at the National League and probably rule out four to five teams right now. So you're trying to be one of six spots out of 10 right now right? Yeah, yeah right out of 10 mm-hmm. you, you know obviously starting pitching has to stay healthy they've got to uh, find a way to uh, rediscover Herman Marquez's confidence in his fastball because that's really what his issue is right now um, but you look at cool and Gomber and Freeland, you know, is going to compete. And Senza, God love him. I don't know how he figures out a way with all that traffic to get out of it, but he does. And I think Daniel Bard and, and Kinley at the back end, they're going to have hiccups. But I think you have two solid guys there, plus a, a pitcher like Column A is going to give up a lot of contact, but it's usually softer. The back end is better. So for them, if they stay healthy on the pitching side, rotation and back end, yeah, they certainly have a chance to compete for the postseason. There's a, I'm going to jump in real quick, Mark, because if there's a, Mark and I were actually talking about this uh, earlier this morning. If there's a, a, a wild card um, matchup uh, with the Rockies and, and, and they're going to, they're obviously they're going to send Herman Marcus to the mound, Marquez has been kind of uh, an enigma because we know what he's got, man. I mean, he's, he, he, 
he could have easily already have multiple no hitters. You know the he's way he's thrown, the way he's thrown. But I think it's kind of a mystery. Can you somewhat demystify what's going on with Herman Marquez with these with the? It used to be the occasional clunker in the midst of a great run, and so far this season it's kind of been more difficult. Bud and I talked about that uh, the other day in his office, and you know sometimes we lose sight of the fact you know Mark is one of a very small group of twenty five thousand people in. 120 plus years of baseball to make it to that level so you're a you're a wonderful talent but you're also human and confidence is such a factor I think in all my years that's been the thing that has surprised me the most you we all just have that expectation this guy's talented he's just gonna go out there and play but they go through all those same human elements and right now with Ermon he's never had overwhelming fastball command, meaning he's going to spot it where he needs to spot it. But so you go through a stretch like he has this year so far where you've missed your location and paid for it, and then you start to have a, a little bit of misgivings about, well, can I throw my fastball? And you start to try and manipulate it instead of, hey, keep it down, throw it 95, 97. If they hit it, you just tip your hat and go on. Because if you look through his start so far and look at the velocity when he has given up a hit off a fastball, it's 93, you know, because he's he's trying to manipulate it. And if he can't throw it enough for strikes, then his wipeout breaking ball People don't chase, but if they're down in the count, they have to. So I think the key for him is, as Bud talked, is get that fastball down again. Don't worry where it is, inside or outside. Just make it look like a strike down, and you'll be okay. We've talked about a couple guys, Grichik and, and Herman guys. There's other guys though that um, haven't had, haven't got off to good starts, like Brandon Rogers. Uh, you mentioned Chris Bryant, but they're still winning. And that's got to bode well for the future because when those guys get going again, somebody else will take their dips. There'll be ups and downs with everybody. But if you're winning, but your best guys aren't really ones contributing, that's a good sign. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And, and I, I, don't, I mean, he's going to have some fall off. But I think C.J. Crone is so comfortable in his own skin now. This is a guy who's done it for three months now, if you go back to last year. This is who he is. He'll have his dips, sure. but... So he's there, and maybe he and Gritchick are carrying the team, as you allude to, uh, Mark, a little bit. But going forward, there's too much talent there with Brendan Rodgers. There's enough history with Chris Bryant that, that you know. And, man, if they keep turning double plays, you could have the traffic on the bases because that two-for-ones are always good, whether it's a grocery store or on the infield. Yeah, it, the double plays are incredible. There have been a, there have been several games where you thought they might they might challenge the record for a single <laughs> single record for the, for the Rockies for franchise history. I think it's well, not good for their whip, huh? It's not good for the whip. But I think you know something that uh, something that um, I'm trying to remember who it was that told me this, uh, but they said you just got to forget. I think it was it was Carlos Estevez. He said you just got to forget about your ERA. You just got to. This morning, talk to Clint Hurdle because he was part of the, the Rick Camp game. Uh, the 19-inning marathon where Rick Camp hits a home run, of all people, a uh, pitcher who couldn't hit in the 19th inning to tie it in a six-and-a-half-hour game. 
Um, we're never going to see these moments again. Um, the Universal DH, we've had it now for just a, you know, about a month or so. But where do you fall on the uh, spectrum of, well, there's, we, the game needs to move on with the times or we need to change versus, but yeah, but it's not the pure game anymore. Well, I mean, the Universal, or the DH anyway, has been in the, in the American League for 40-plus years, and I came from the American League covering Cleveland. So um, I, I loved some of the elements, but as we've talked before, I think as people adapt, you still will have strategy, and I think it benefits a team like the Rockies on the road where they don't have to lift a starter who's keeping them in the game after five innings or maybe even six innings because they're trying to get some offense and you got a guy on base, so i got to pinch hit for him. Um, so that part of it, I'm, I'm still – there are days when I think, yeah, if they eliminate the shift, I'm all for it. But at the same time, you are taking away a strategic – element to the game and um, there's no question right uh, left-handed batters yeah, pulling the ball Ryan yeah. McMahon or Charlie Black yeah, about right. rounding out to right field right That's yeah right. That, that that part of it I, I guess for me I would um, I would take the uh, sort of bastardized version I would allow people to shift but you got to have a foot on the dirt um, it, it's still don't tell Thomas that. yeah yeah, so I'm, I mean, I think it's going to go away, but I mean, that's all part of it. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the DH, people will adjust to it. And, and quite frankly, as the pitchers velocity-wise have gotten better, the uh, pitcher's ability to hit has fallen off a cliff. So, I mean, as a kid, Hank Gary would be one for a season. You know, we, we don't need 15 of them now or 20 of them or 30 of them like they are. So. Hey, Jack, we appreciate your time as always. Thanks, uh, I know, have a good road trip, and uh, I I'm, I'm, know you're glad to get back out on the road and not being in a darkened Coors Field calling a game from, from Arizona. Thanks. Well, it's always good talking baseball with you guys. Thanks. That's all for this week. Our thanks to original Rocky Freddie Benavides of the Cincinnati Reds and the radio voice of the Colorado Rockies, Jack Corrigan, for giving us their time, and to you for giving us yours. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.